Look up there in the sky. It's a bird, a plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. of the universe one king of strong style one fortnightly uh uh one fortnightly discussion of comics and nerd culture i'm your host robbie dorman literature geek and writer what did a bug fly in your mouth i'm your other host eric z goodnight professional artist and illustration nerd and we are the handsome voice comics are you for these reviews slightly antagonistic banter and much much more you know you say enough words eventually one of them just goes awry yeah it just spins out of control afgang aglay that was amazing. As are you speaking like Welsh or something? What was that? Was that Celtic? It's Robbie Burns. Robbie Burns. Robbie Burns is a poet. Uh, the best laid plans of mice and men oft go awry, mm-hmm. or aft gang mm-hmm. aglay in the original. Well, Eric, I have this I'm, literature degree. I'm going to start calling you Robbie. His, his name is Robbie. It's not Rubby. It's Robbie. You, I, was, I was saying it with I an accent. So I it, believe it's on record that you said Rubby. He's Rubble. He's Rubble, Rubble Burns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Rubble. Hey, Adsmites. How, you guys, how you guys doing out there? We got uh, we got a discussion uh, looking forward to a swamp, Saga of Swamp Thing uh, by Alan Moore. Uh, Original writer. <laughs> the, the original artist, Eric, please. Oh, shit. I just fucked her shit up. Oh, my God. What did you do? For those listening at home, I just messed up our shared Google Doc while How? Robbie watched. How dare you? Oh, uh, Stephen Bissett and John Totalben. Uh, we'll be talking about that later. Um, lots of stuff to talk about there. I'm really... I'm I'm really Eric has has given him like ominous portents of his thoughts. So I'm really curious. <laughs> I really, I really am excited, uh, honestly. But before that, we have comics that came out the, the past couple weeks to talk about. Let's get go our first segment. It's time for Floppy's Fortnightly. Floppy's Fortnightly is when Eric and I will read a selection of the past couple weeks books. Tell you to buy or do not buy them. May or may not be a mush meter involved. Uh, it goes from one to five. Our first book of the week is Avengers number one by Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. Inks, Mark Morales. Colors, David Curiel. Letters, Corey Pettit. Back to basics. Mm-hmm. With, um, caveman superheroes. Yep, the, uh, that's, it, it has the, you know, Jason Aaron, he loves writing parallel timeline superhero stuff. Well, I was just gonna say, he likes himself some, some Stone Age shit, too. He definitely does. Yeah, so it's good, good for you, Jason Aaron, you weird bearded weirdo uh what do you think about and i think i can't remember what do you think about ed mcginnis the uh the artist of this yes i i actually really like it um like it's silly and cartoony and it feels like a it's very like street fighter x-men to me mm-hmm. you know like and i and i like it for that um like everybody looks like a fucking child but I still enjoy looking at it. I think the color really works well with it. Um, but it's 
it is an interesting style, and I have not really. I don't remember we've ever talked about him before either. I think we had so like a issue like yeah. years years ago at this point. It it just he's not someone that's on my radar. But I like that's probably the thing that I'm the strongest on in this book is how big and fun and stupid this book looks. And I think it suits the tone very well. Yeah, I, I'm. I feel it's not a it's not a smart book. No, it is definitely not. It has big, uh, eternal Galactus looking guys uh, mm-hmm. coming at their final host, whatever that means. Um, it, it this book, it I'm. I'm glad that we are just going like, hey, remember all that bad stuff that happened in like the past like four events or whatever? Let's mm-hmm. let's forget about that, right? We don't have to. Yeah. Let's not. Let's make Avengers about like fighting big giant space dudes, and that and everyone's the characters you know and like, and mm-hmm. we get a good mix of those the, those three core guys plus the the you know we get Doc, Doctor Strange, Black Panther. Uh, uh, Ghost Rider, Captain Marvel. It's a, that's a nice mix. I don't know. Th- this book, despite, like, I, that's as much as I can judge it on, really, because we don't get really anything past that. Right. I, I think it looks nice. I have faith in Jason Aaron, basically, uh, to write a good comic book. And Ed McGinnis's art does suit this book very well. They, mm-hmm. they are, they, they are co- the, the collaboration of big dumb superhero with Ed McGinnis art I think works really well. I'm a buy. I mean, I don't the book itself I think is maybe a tad like first issue clunky where everyone's yelling their names to make sure you know who's who, but I don't know if that I don't know if that is going to be this book or not, but I'm a buy regardless, you know. It's Jason Aaron writing Avengers. They put the right person on it. So I'm at. I'm, I, I yeah, I'm hopeful. Um but just don't go to it looking for a lot of thought no this is this is your uh this is your popcorn comic book right just sit back get a big bucket yeah cover it in fake butter whatever kind of butter floats your boat you know well the, the kind they have in the theater is usually that like liquid stuff that plus or cheese powder why not both precisely hashtag best life you get it wet with the wet the wet fake butter and then you put cheese that will stick to it Mm-hmm. The cheese powder. Cheese with a Z. I think you're thinking of cheese whiz. C-H-E-E-Z-E. Cheese powder. I'm not sure if that's... I don't know if cheese powder is actual cheese. Or it's just cheese powder. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a, uh, you're just a buyer? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, that's that's the side of that fence I'm on, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> it's a double buy on Avengers number one. Uh, our second book is Venom. Number one, written by Donnie Cates, pencils Ryan Stegman, inks J.P. Meyer, colors Frank Martin, letters Clayton Cowles. This is a weird-ass book. Yeah, it's a very different take on what you would think is pretty straightforward. But I appreciate it. Well, I mean, we are fans of the career of Mr. Cates. I I think I think I think I can I can speak for you on this. Yes. Um. This is not my favorite book of his. I don't think it's bad. It's got a good, interesting hook. I can't really tell you why. Like, I'm not excited for this. This just kind of doesn't... Maybe it's just the art style of it. It doesn't feel 
it doesn't feel super venomy to me. I think that's what I like about it, honestly. Really? Because it doesn't. It, I mean, it has obviously a lot of symbiote talk and like that, mm-hmm. but I don't. It's symbiote. You saw the uh, trailer. <laughs> that movie looks bad. Uh, I the I. I if it's not going to be Flash Thompson, which this book even has, I think, a little bit of a joke about that, where it's like, mm-hmm. I thought it'd be Flash Thompson. Oh, okay. It's Eddie. Got it. Cool. I guess we got to deal with it. <laughs> Let's move on. But it, if it's not going to be Flash, and I feel like Fl- Flash is the person, he's now, he's the anti-Venom, uh, soldier, anti I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on with Flash, because uh, I'm not reading four different Spider-Man books. Uh I kind of want it to be strange. I want it to be crazy and weird and just stretching and pushing this, the Venom lore as far as it will go and probably even breaking it. I I think, you know, this is a weird, like, Lovecraftian Venom God thing going on in here. I don't know what it is. I don't know really what's happening. But I know... It's weird, and I know that it's, like, it feels like a newer, like, we read that the last reboot of Venom, when they had Eddie officially come back, and I was like, yeah, it's fine, you know, it's a fine, very by-the-numbers Venom, but I'm kind of, I can read a lot of by-the-numbers Venom, and then I can go read Flash Thompson Venom if I want the better thing, I think, really. If you're gonna be Eddie again, I want it to be weird, I want weird symbiote gods showing up i want weird kill squads of people who all had the symbiote like go back dig into that dumb well and just keep digging until you get to the weirdest thing you can possibly think of i think that's that's all well and good i just i'm not sure what about this isn't satisfying me it just doesn't feel like i don't know not even minding the thing that i want i think i'm just ruined for comics from now on I just can't that's, enjoy comic books anymore. That's not good. No, it's not the best. <laughs> I'm a un- unequivocal buy. I, I think this is a fun book. Uh, it's you know this is what I want in a 2018 Venom book. I think is just weirdness, weirdness and, I w- and I w- violence. I I want uh, the solo Jack O' Lantern book. Where's that? Uh, Who's gonna write that for me? Don't don't say that too loud, or Dan Slott will hear you. <laughs> Well, now you just said his name, so now he's on the podcast. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. I'll, edit, I'll have to edit all this out. I guess so. I'm I'm a buyer. Are you do, straight up, are you do not buy, Eric? Oh, no, I don't think I'm that sour on anything. Um, I think I'll probably reverse myself on feeling negative about this. Certainly, I think... A couple of issues in, and this will be another good Donny Cates book. Right now, I think I'm just not in the place where I can enjoy it. I I, I have faith it's going to go in the right direction. Um, I'd say I'm a buy with two on the the old mush meter. You have faith that the book will grow on you? Double buy, Venom number one, mush meter of uh, one, I suppose, if, that, if we're averaging that out. You can divide two by two and get one? I'm a, I'm a zero, theoretically. So, so you divide by zero, divide, and then wait. the podcast ends. Oh, no. 
because <laughs> that's what happens with I, numbers. I ended eternity. I ended. I ended the the world. We're in eternity now. The mm. the Kirby monster guy. We're in him. Regardless, sounds, our next book sounds good. Our next book is Coda, number one, uh, created by Simon Spurrier and Matthias Bergera, written by Simon Spurrier, illustrated by Matthias Bergera, color assist by Michael Doig, lettered by Colin Bell. There I've just go. been saying Bergera. I've I, been. I have no idea. It's one of the two. I uh, take your shot. Yeah, I Facebook friended him a long time ago. I think he did. Um, a really nice viral uh, piece of Game of Thrones fan art of Arya and the Hound. All right. Are you familiar? I mean, I'm familiar with those characters. I don't think I'm familiar with his art. It's good. I like him. I, I agree. I think this book mm-hmm. is really good. Oh, yeah. It's double-sized, number one issue. Mm-hmm. Gives you a, a good chance to connect with the characters. Has a double-sized mermaid in it, too. It does. The art is really, really good in this. Oh, yeah. Really good colors. Like, the the colors shift from scene to scene, even. Uh, I really like how it plays with fantasy tropes. Um, kind of mixing and matching and not letting us kind of... It doesn't let us kind of set into, like, oh, this is how that kind of monster works. Or, oh, it's just like Tolkien. Or it's just like this. Or blah, blah, blah. Like some things, are, it's mixed and matched and taken and, and mutated and subverted or enhanced in different ways. It's funny. Like this book has a really good sense of humor. Uh, I actually like, this is like a, a roguish character that I actually enjoy. He keeps boozing his leg. He does. I mean, sometimes that's you, that's, in, that's important. Sometimes you need it. But it, I, don't, it, I don't know why, but it felt very good to read something in a French slash European comic style, mm-hmm. which I think this very much is. And oh god, it, it 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 made me pretty happy. This has been a rough week, guys. This is a a good comic book. It's it's like this and uh, Isola. It's very, lots recently very good like fantasy comics that are absolutely beautiful not necessarily very similar but incredible imaginative worlds um with really good writing and really good art i'm a buy it's got a unicorn with five horns pentacorn thank you very much mm. how dare you well, you're a buyer Jason. do you um do you know how you eat a unicorn no how with unicorn holders that's a double buy on mm-hmm. Coda number one. Next Don't even up, get a golf clap for that one. <laughs> next up is Death or Glory number one, written by Reminder, Art Bengal, Letters Wooten. We don't. Everyone's going by just a name. Mm-hmm. Madonna. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Also fairly French, and I appreciated that. Also, um. I don't know this artist, Bengal, uh, but I do like the general look of this book. Reminder, what has he been doing? Um, Seems like almost nothing. No, he's... Black Science is still going. Low is still going. Oh, Deadly Class is still true. going. It's a bunch of indie books that are still it's, just it's, quietly succeeding. Yeah, stuff that we're choosing to ignore for whatever odd reason. Uh, I had forgotten that he was working on those. Uh, seven... What's the name of that book with he write he does with Daniel Cunha? I've been reading that. That's very good. Oh really? Seven from Eternity. I think the name of it is. 
I mean, he's mm. there. It's just he's writing a lot of creator owned books. Um, I mean, that's the thing to do, I suppose. Yeah, once you're there, I this book is just not grabbing me. I can see that. I I, I like. I think Bengal's art is really good. I think the art is, is yeah. good, and it's not that the writing is bad. Really, it just feels like I don't know why I'm, I should care about any of this. Like you get introduced to Glory, and she needs money to pay for some guy for for her, I guess her. I'm not sure if he's a father figure or just a very close friend. I think father figure works because okay. it doesn't mean it's necessarily her father, right? And he needs money to for an operation, and then there's also like a boss figure and corrupt cops and a angry ex husband or boyfriend. And also another, it's just a lot of things getting thrown in this mix. When it things start happening at the end of the book, I'm engaged. I'm like, oh, like this fight scene, these, the fight and action scenes feel impactful and meaningful. I just don't know why. I just don't have. I I feel like it's caught. Like it doesn't. It starts in a bad place. It feels like it should be starting later or much earlier because I'm not. I don't know what I'm supposed to like. I'm supposed to be reading for glory, I assume, to get this money. But there's all oh, there's also the dude that's straight out from No Country for Old Men, who instead of a of a he's got a he's got a liquid nitrogen spray thingy. Mm-hmm. Instead of the air canister gun, he's like, "You won't give me a hundred and twenty-three hamburgers. I'm going to kill you." And it it that again, it was like, "Oh, this feels very much like a Coen Brothers movie." Um, I don't. I don't know. It's fine. I am. I'm willing to look past a lot to read a book that looks like this, but I would trade weight on it. I'm really wondering how that second ep- uh, issue is going to be. I mean, I think I would give it a second issue mm-hmm. and then see how I feel. See if I get more attached to Glory as a character because I feel like she is the root of all this and. Just punishing a character does not make me like them. Look how look how she got shot, is it is it and like beat up and got in a car accident, so she get this money. I'm like, well, that's not that doesn't make me like her more. That doesn't make me empathize. Just punishing people, violence is not. Mm. I, I I'm probably like a very mushy like I'm four by because mostly because Bengal's art is really really good or Bengal or however you want to say it. Where are you, Eric? You know that's a good question. I wouldn't have thought you would have mushed it up as much, and you're kind of making me change my position. I'm just gonna stay firm. I'm 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 right there, just on the buy side. That's I'm 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 sticking with that. Everything that you're saying about it is correct, though. It is um, it's not as great as I'd like it to be. It it, it even kind of feels like a watered-down knockoff of, um, what's the Babs Tar book that I can't think Motor of? Motor Crush? Sugar Rush, that's right. That's <laughs> not what I said. I think it's on record, Robbie. We oh. all know what you said. Okay. So you're just a buy on Death and Glory, number one? Y- yeah. Um, okay. I may I may come to regret that later, but... <laughs> well, you know, if you're wrong, if you change your mind... No, no. Death. World, the world is over. So that's it's a, a beautiful book, and I, I look forward to seeing this whole thing in print. So 
That's a double by Death or Glory number one, uh, motion meter of two. Our last book of the week is Justice League No Justice number one, written by Scott Snyder, James Tinian the Fourth, Joshua Williamson, art Francis Manipal, colors Hi-Fi, letters and world design. Speaking of big giant space dudes. Yep. But this one also has. Remember that bad guy? Now he's helping you. Mm-hmm. There sure is a lot of dialogue in this comic book. This is the third book this month that, like, basically ends with them saying God is coming. Venom, this. What was the third one? Why am I dumb? Oh, yeah, it was Avengers. The Celestials and the Super Killy Celestials are going to <laughs> kill those. the regular Celestials. Yeah. Well, to be fair, this one, Superman says, my God, and then Brainiac corrects him, saying, they are not gods, they are destroyers. Well. They look, ex- I mean, again, Francis Manipal's art in this is very good. Yeah. I think the writing is average. Um, it doesn't get in the way of anything, you know? It's not, It's neither, like... I would I would agree with you in that it's average in that the writing is standing out of the way and letting like I don't know characters and situations and art take center stage. It's this is not going to be a story that's artfully written and and beautiful and amazing. It, it's just there's there's so there's a lot of characters on here. There's mm-hmm. a lot of dialogue. And maybe it's just, oh, this is a big kind of event-y book, so you shouldn't probably be reading this in the first place if that's what you don't – if you don't want that. Um, it, I just don't know what – I this, the strong hook of Brainiac is now – he abducted all the heroes so that he can help them, and then he dies at the end. And I just I, – I don't, I don't know. It doesn't have the same – like, you could easily compare this to the that first issue of Avengers – like mm-hmm. they both, like you said, they both end with big space Kirby guys coming to kill everybody. Yep. But this book, and they both are beautiful. But this book is, it feels not. It doesn't feel like dumb fun. It feels like the world is ending, and we are everyone's here. Hey, Lobo's here. He makes a joke, and also Harley Quinn. Why? How does Harley Quinn help them? A fight, uh, giant Eternals type guy. She's gonna hit, uh, super killy Eternals with a hammer. Or how about Deadshot? Is he just gonna shoot him real hard? Shh, they're gonna what? Do you, what? Okay, I. Okay, yeah. Like obviously, okay, the <laughs> Justice League is here. Doctor Fate's here, but then Beast Boy. Mm-hmm. Why was he turn into a lion and scare? Like I don't. It feels very strange that they have these obvious char- comic relief characters here that serve no appreciable purpose for fighting a giant space guy. Like, Brainiac is the smartest thing there is, right? Does he think the team needs some levity in the situation? So he's like, yeah, hey, we'll bring in Harley Quinn. She's funny. She'll keep the mood light while we're fighting these eternal monster guys. She'll, um, she'll make the, uh... She'll make the god creature uncomfortable with her age play. Oh, God. He's like, I didn't know this was that type of planet. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't. I I I'm a do not buy this. I just there's nothing about it that interests me. Um, Man Man art is beautiful, but it's covered up by I, dozens of dialogue boxes that I do not want to read. I oh I get that. I just don't read them. <laughs> you gotta well. Uh, I did read them. I did not enjoy them. Yeah, you don't have to do either. Where? What are you, Eric? I God, I I was just so glad to not be reading Swamp Thing. <laughs> um, For sure. But I was. I'm. I'm pretty. I'm pretty okay with this. Honestly, it's not. It's not like terrible. But honestly, like I'll take your big dumb event comic. That's not trying to like. Don't try and change my life with your stupid like popcorn like blockbuster movie. Don't don't write your comic like that and expect like to be the fucking smartest thing in the world. Don't pollute thirty seven books with it. Do this. Do do Avengers number one. They're the same book in my mind. They're no different. This is the Pepsi and Coke of this story. I mean, Avengers has seven heroes in it. This has like forty. Yeah, that's well, prim- my that's a big problem for me. I, I get that. Are you you're just a buyer? I don't think that means that it shouldn't be in there. We'll see what kind of hot mess that ends up being. Maybe they're putting all these people in here because they want to promote. 37 different tie-in books at once, which I'm not into. Harley Quinn, No Justice, numbers one through four. Harley Quinn is abandoned on a planet with Martian Manhunter. They quit at each other. Harley Quinn, H-Play. Stop saying that. I really don't like it. H-Play. It's <laughs> <That's> gross. <laughs> All right. Uh, split decision on Justice League, No Justice, number one. We can move on. <laughs> Strat told me to stop saying it. <laughs> To our next segment, uh, it is time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show where Eric and I talk about what we've been doing, what we've been playing, or seeing, or reading, or whatever. Let me check it out. Give you guys some uh, nerdy recommendations, or even anti-recommendation. Don't like something. Eric, you saw Infinity War. I did. Also listened to your... Uh... My podcast. Your, your uh, yep, with with Mister Board Game Brawl himself. What you think about the movie? I thought it was a quite an excellent movie. We're probably got a, a tad spoiler here. Uh, so if I you haven't seen we'll, Infinity War yet, you should skip ahead like two minutes or something. Pause this and go see it, and then come back. <laughs> I would, I would, I don't know how you're on the internet and you haven't been spoiled yet. If you haven't seen That's it true. now by now, because everywhere, everywhere I look, there's just Infinity War memes everywhere. So, mm-hmm. I, um, speaking of Infinity War memes, what did you think about the choice for the ending? The choice for the ending in the, terms of what having part? having Thanos uh, kill half oh, the oh, people. Well, I mean, it's what he wanted to do. Might as well somebody might as well get what they want. Uh, I think that. Basically, everything they did regarding Thanos, they did pretty well pitch perfect. Um, I thought it was a pretty bold move to do that to a studio audience that isn't used to like everything in comics being undone every other month. Um, I think most of us sit through that and we're like, okay, th- like they're going to undo most of this stuff. Someone's going to end up dead. There's going to have to be a price to be paid, but 
Like, they're not going to leave Spider-Man dead. They're not going to leave Black Panther dead. I think that's obvious. But I, I, I like that um, people in the MCU fan base that aren't necessarily comic readers, I like that they get to, they get to just carry that sadness around with them. Dude, like the the this it, like I, I had a big fight with my girlfriend after I saw it. Brad and his uh, my brother and his wife had a huge fight. This movie is is ruining people's lives. Why? It's because just, it's just that it's just it, that sad. Is it? Oh, it's just the sadness. I, it's dude. It's heavy. It's pretty. Yeah. It's it is a big cliffhanger. It is a big thing to mm-hmm. do at the end of a movie. And I'm it's it, I'm, it's I'm, bold. Yes, yeah, it's, it's exciting, and I like it a lot. Um, oh yeah, I no, it's it's excellent. And the movie itself, I think, balances all the heroes pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I have um, I have not kept up with the uh, the the MCU movies. Um, I am. I mean, I went and recently watched Thor Ragnarok, which I may have told you about. You did. I obviously saw Black Panther in theaters, um, and it's. I don't know. That's about as caught up as I was. I still have never saw Ultron. I never saw Civil War. I never saw Winter Soldier. Oh man! Um, never like, saw the Spider Man movie. Those are those like those three are of three of my top five Marvel movies. Maybe two out of them are three. I, I would probably cut Civil War. Yeah, I didn't enjoy. Like, like I watched a little bit of it on the plane. I'm like, I don't really. I'm not going to turn the sound on. I don't care about it's, this. It's good. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think Winter Soldier is I... much better, and Spider Man is very good too. It's a. It is really. It's the like it, this. Infinity War, Avengers, Spider Man, Winter Soldier, and uh, Black Panther are like my top five. I would say, and they're all really good. But Black Panther, I think, is good that you saw that before you saw this because seeing this without seeing Black Panther, you're like, why are they in this place all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. What's what's where's Wakanda? What's going on? I They're remember. in this field. Mm-hmm. I would have known what Wakanda is. No, not you, the theoretical movie viewer. If you, if you had not, if a, mu- a theoretical movie audience had not seen Black Panther, I think they'd be a little bit confused. But I think most people who are seeing this movie have seen all those movies. <laughs> We've seen most of them. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I yes, you're right. Everyone's going to come back, or not everyone, but most of them probably. Spider Man yeah. has a movie. Black Panther has a sequel to. I'm sure at some point. They're gonna have most of those characters come back. I'm sure yeah, they'll... someone, someone's gonna, someone's gonna pay a price. Whoever it is, mm-hmm. Tony Stark. Yeah, Steve Rogers. Yeah, that's, that's spoilers for the future. Yeah, I can. I've seen it. I know. Mm-hmm. I have a. I have a brain. That's the problem. Uh, hey, anyone listening? Spoilers over. Spoilers over. Spoilers over. What else? What else do you want to talk about? Eric? I I wanted to make sure we got that. <laughs> I don't know. Did you, you, saw, did you uh, see James Taylor last night? God, I saw James Taylor. Guys, I'm 70 years old. I'm sorry. I like James Taylor. I mean, everyone likes James Taylor. True. But like, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think I do have some, some interesting insight for you. Uh-oh. Um, I think you'll enjoy hearing this. I think, like me... Most of the times when you go to live shows, you are standing on your feet, mm-hmm. uh, 
this was at the St. Pete Times Forum, Amelie Arena, whatever you want to call it. Some old folks call it the Ice Palace. Mm-hmm. It is a big sports stadium where hockey is played mm-hmm. and, and beers cost $15. Well, those beers get you drunk, Eric. It's true. Valuable. So it was a weird thing going to a big arena like that. Sitting in a seat to watch a concert. That's weird thing number one. But, like, I will say that it was one of the most professional, like, just uncanny, uncannily good, like, productions I've ever seen. I mean, it was a very full crowd. There were not, like, it was a big place and it was probably 90% sold out, if not more. Um, Like you said, everybody likes James Taylor. Oh, yeah. And... He had a huge band, like probably 15 musicians. There were six monitors, probably six, six visual displays, I should say. Um, It had like synchronized videos to the music they were playing. Everything was super tight. And it was like probably the best sound I have ever seen at a live venue. I did not feel like I was watching a live production i felt like i was watching a dvd of a live show it was really strange to see it and i i just i think it just says something about probably what like i mean it'd be wrong of me to i mean i don't really want to to pigeonhole people but like everyone there is like my parents age Mm -hmm. you know Baby boomers, people that can afford a more expensive ticket and do not want to stand. Right. Um, And it felt like a very sterilized live show experience, but probably in a way, you know, that is so polished and professional. It's exactly what that kind of customer wants. It was really strange. James Taylor would introduce a member of the band after every song, and then he would shake their hand. So I thought that was very weird that he would stop, introduce, this is my trumpet player. He played trumpet for God. And then he'd go over and shake his hand. They did this for every single position. You know, so, you know, like they're doing like, I don't know how many, how many of these shows a week, but he's shaking this motherfucker's hand every night. So it's just like, I don't know, this weird performative like handshaking. I just is a weird fucking thing that is part of his show. I'm sorry. I notice the things that I notice. I was going to say it's I I find it the interesting fact of is not his handshaking, it is that you noticed it and thought about all this. <laughs> it really stood out stuck out to me. It's like, okay, he shook that guy's hand. He shook that guy's hand. He shook 15 people's hand, okay? On fucking stage. Eric, I was in orchestra for like eight years. The my, Did you sh- my, did you shake everyone's hand every night? I didn't shake everyone's hand, but my conductor would, anyone who was featured at all, he would shake their hands. And I, we would see him th- four times a week. Hey, it's there not, you go. It's not, it's just, it is a, it is a definitely a formal performative action. I get that. It's not a thing that I realized, um was like a thing you know you need to go some more as uh, part of a performance i more. thought that this was just 
I don't know. Some performative action. I have no idea. You're seeing too much, too many rock and roll shows, too much of that Mm -hmm. that hip hop. You just don't get it. You don't understand what the boomers are all about. Yeah, man. Handshakes. Tune in. My dad loves handshakes. handshakes, All right. Good. He lives for it. He absolutely. Handshakes, mustache wax. He absolutely loves handshakes. Handshakefulness. Mm hmm. Mowing lawns and handshakes. That's what my dad loves. Jesus Christ. Old what the fuck, old man. He loves he loves working, lawn mowing, and shaking people's hands a little too firmly. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fucking god damn it. What is what is wrong? What is wrong? Boomers. What is wrong? Uh anything else you want to touch on aside from James Taylor and handshakes? And handshakefulness. I can't think of anything. I think I've okay. yapped enough. Okay. I've been playing some video games. That, what? I'm surprised. You I know. play video games. What? Uh, God of War came out. Just the, the, it, a soft, it's not a reboot really, because it is continuing the same story as the old God of mm-hmm. War games, but it's just called God of War. Uh, it's got played, Boy of War in it. It does have Boy of War in it as well. Have you played uh, any of the God of War games? No, I really want to play this one. It's very good. Um, it is definitely have. It is different than those old games. It is. It is a primarily a character action game, like so many of them nowadays. Um, that character is Kratos. Uh, it is not the same as those old games, and I think it's for the better for it. I didn't. I thought those old games were fine. But I never loved them. I think this game is a lot more in it and a lot more. I think better writing, better character. Kratos is a little, he's, he is that, hey, Kratos, boy, lot very much bo- like yelling at his son, this little kid who uh, is constantly disappointing him. And <laughs> just, you go on this journey together to, to take uh, his mother's ashes and Kratos' wife's ashes, she's died before the game has begun, to the top of a mountain. Till, so she can, that's her last request is, Really drop my ashes off the top of a mountain, the tallest mountain in the, the in the the land, and so that is your quest. And then you, this is Kratos tangling with North Norse mythology. So you get you know there's Odin and Freya and the, you know Balder and Thor and all them world serpents, all that stuff, world trees. Um, it's very good. It's a lot of fun. the The combat is a lot of fun. You you have an axe. You can throw your axe, and then you push a button, and you recall your axe. It just comes right back to your hand. And What button do you press for him to say, can I ask you a question, when he kills a guy with an axe? That, you have to write some Kratos fan fiction for that, because he doesn't he does not do that. I didn't expect homework. I'm sorry. He doesn't say anything when he kills people, generally, because Kratos is not that type of dude. He just kind of grimly stares at people as they die. And then yeah, and, and then if the boy gets a little too excited about it, he'll say, "Boy, calm down." Lots of yelling at his boy. Lots of dad feelings and emotions in this. And this little kid's like trying to be just like he's trying to not trying to disappoint his father. And Kratos is like maybe learning, "Hey, being a parent is good." And then also killing like Draugr and dragons and all kinds of stuff, monsters. It's a good game. You should play it. I don't. I don't want to buy a PlayStation Four to play it. I mean, there's lots of other good PlayStation 4 games. Oh, that's true. But there's also a lot of good keeping $400. You can get them for like 
three right now. You can get the regular ones for three, I think. And I have a regular one, and it looks great. It's beautiful. Um, the other game does not cost $300. It is on Steam. It is Battle Chef Brigade. Have you heard of this game, Eric? No. It was on sale recently. Uh, it's not extraordinarily expensive normally, but uh, I, I, I picked it up. It was on sale. Um, it is a game of... Uh, of t- you do two things in the game. You, you, are, you are in a world where uh, monsters once overtook everything, and the only reason they were beaten back is by these this battle chef brigade, these people who go out, hunt monsters, and then cook them up into really good meals. And you are basically wanting to become a member of this brigade, and it's kind of is presented a lot like Iron Chef. You know, you, 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 want, you have to cook meals, uh, and, and you're judged by your meals, and you fight other chefs. And if you are the best, you become part of the brigade. So one half of the game is the cooking. And the cooking is a kind of match three kind of game, like a bejeweled kind of game, where you have a little a little field and you got to rotate all the different colored gems around. You want to get three in a row, they level up. You want to get those, you know, as you get gems in a row, they level up into better, better ingredients, so to speak, and your food tastes better. And there's a lot of other modifiers that make you get your bonus points or negative points and blah, 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 blah. The other half of the game is hunting. So you have to go hunt your ingredients. You have to go kill the monsters. And it's like a 2D fighting game, kind of. You have combos and moves and magic, and you got to make sure you kill the right monsters. And certain monsters, once you, if they eat other parts of the monsters that you've killed, they change and therefore become a new ingredient that you can kill and harvest. Um, I've only played a few hours of it, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of charm. It's, very, it's a very pretty, hand, hand-drawn game. Um, the writing is actually very fun and clever. In, in a little bit it's charming as well where you you know this you're this lady who wants to you know be part of this battle chef brigade it's very like oh i'm i just want to be a good cook and be part of help help these people it's like a, a whole genre that it's becoming basically this same idea in manga there's an older manga called Toriko, which i've wanted us to read and there's also i think it, is it dungeon meshi or Delicious Dungeon. I can't remember which name it is. It might be both. Um, I think there's actually a third one, too, and I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. I might just be thinking of... um, What's the Stoko book? Uh, Wonton Soup? Is that what it's called? Wonton Soup. It is indeed. Yeah. It's this weird... This is like a whole... I'm watching the video for this now, and the guy actually he 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 eats the pepper just like Iron Chef. Mm-hmm. It That's is ridiculous. It's clearly aware of all this stuff. Like it, it is. Oh yeah. It is, it is using these things as motifs in a lot of ways, but it also has a lot of fantasy elements. And like the the chefs you're like teaming with, one is an orc, and you know they're the the shopkeeper in town is a two headed cyclops. It, you know that kind of stuff. But it is very like it is kind of. A quaint, fun game. It is not grim, world-ending stuff like God of War is. It's a very, it's a nice palate cleanser, but you know, from other stuff, which is what I appreciate the most out of it. Also, I like. I'm a sucker for jewel three match three jewel games. Even though some like it's not really. You can also match. Sometimes you can just match two um, of the stuff, and then you don't have to worry about the the match three. But it's still moving gems around, trying to get similar colors together, so you can make better food. Get become a part of the Battle Chef Brigade. That's it. We'll talk about Shinsuke Nakamura, but that's for a different podcast. Mm-hmm. 
You ready to talk about Swamp Thing or? I think so. Okay, good. With that, checking is over. We can move on to our final segment. It's time for Nerdbo Book Club. Nerdbo Book Club is the part of the show. Eric and I will sign a longer collected work and discuss it in depth like you would a book club. Uh, this week we are discussing Saga of Swamp Thing, books one through three. Uh, by Alan Moore, the original artist, Stephen Bissett, and John Totalbin. From the award-winning writer of Watchmen, Eric. Mm-hmm. This is his first big American comic. He had uh, he had done stuff in the UK, but this is the first stuff he had written for America. No, this is prior America. To Wa- America, prior to Watchmen. Um, you don't seem to like this book very much. Yeah, I think large parts of it are just an unreadable mess. What do you mean by unreadable? Oh, God, like, certainly the first part of the book, the stuff that's edited by Lynn, is it Wine? Lynn Wayne? What's his name? Lynn Wine? Ween, I believe. Ween? Yeah, I believe so. That is, of the two things, the, the, the worst pronunciation. So, I guess, like, it's just sort of not great in this format, you know? It's edited by this guy, it's coming out of, like, older continuity, Mm-hmm. There's all these characters. It's a hot mess. Like you don't you you don't know anything about these characters. I feel like a lot of things after this mm-hmm. do a very good job of assuming you don't know shit about Swamp Thing, and you're coming into this because there's a new writer, there's a new arc, there's new whatever, and it does improve a little bit when it starts introducing you know things that are like this Woodrue guy. This it's a terrible arc, but it at least is you can follow what's going on because everything you need to know is on the page there. It's still just not that good. Um and there's just I don't know, past that there's long sections of it that I think all the reasons that things are happening is just a hot mess. It just doesn't start very good. And I think it's very interesting because it hands off to Karen Berger and then effectively turns into the proto-Sandman. That's what I was going to say. Is yeah, it, it is I'm, 100% proto-Sandman. I was like, that's why I thought you would you would like it, one, because it is, it is exactly Sandman. <laughs> it, is, it is very Sandman. It is Sandman without a lot of things that, like made Sandman good and it kind of makes me appreciate Sandman less because I look at it and I'm like wow fucking Neil Gaiman ripped this shit off so bad he did right. but I mean he def- he definitely did it better I I I think I would agree that the best Sandman is better than this um mm-hmm. however all those critiques you had of the first book of Swamp Thing I think apply equally to the first book of Sandman which starts I off- like Slow and rough. No, I the, the the first the preludes and nocturnes of Sandman. I have kind of come full circle on it. I would take preludes and nocturnes over this any day. I mean, largely. I don't know if you know this or not. I read it. Only, I only found this out because I read something online somewhere. Uh, that that issue where all that like you know that in the first book we get like that issue that has Swamp Thing just hanging out with all these characters. And we're like, mm-hmm. I don't, we're like, who are these people? <laughs> like what's, what's happening. And then mm-hmm. after that, there is the part where he gets, you know, chopped up and you find out exactly what he is in that 
and the, the the beginning of the Woodrue arc. Right. You find out, oh, Swamp Thing is actually not this dude. This that's it was always he was just always a plant guy who maybe thought he was this dude, but he's never yeah. been Eric Holland. And originally the collect for a long time until these this series of collections, these books, they never included that first issue. It just started with anatomy lesson is the issue it's I, called. I really think that's a better, a stronger place to start. Like, what is the point of all that trash? I think it's largely just to... It's for Alan Moore completists? Yeah, I think so. Because it's poor. It's bad. Well, he's just... And pick- I, don't, I don't even know that that's Alan Moore's fault. He's just picking up the, uh, the what, where yes. Swamp Thing was. Yes, that's clearly what it was. It's just, it's so bad. Oh, God. And it really sets a bad tone. There's a, there's a lot of bad stuff. I would say that two-thirds or more of this is just utter trash. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I'm I, sorry you enjoyed utter trash. <laughs> I enjoyed it like I enjoyed Sandman. Sandman's good, though. This, Eric, this is Sand. This is Sand. Like, I, okay, one Neil Gaiman writes the foreword for one of these books, so I... I think he, so that he, makes it Sandman. Well, I think no. I think it, he. I think he's openly. Neil Gaiman writes his name on it. It becomes Sandman. <laughs> no, well, I mean, there half the characters in this in these books are in Sandman too. Katie Nable's yes. here. John Constantine is here. Yeah. Uh, so and Neil Gaiman's like, yeah, I really like Swamp Thing. I thought it was great when it came out, and it really inspired me to write Sandman. And yeah, yeah, Neil, I could tell. <laughs> I, I, I can see that. <laughs> Really inspired. inspired me to steal all his ideas. <laughs> yeah, and make and it put my and, name on it, and have a better character uh, than oh, Swamp God, Thing as no. the main character. Uh, I chose to have Morpheus, uh, an attractive-looking dude who is like wistful, uh, not a plant man. That yeah, does I, it, I like wanted to have Robert Smith as my main character. Yeah, not <laughs> so. I think largely, Sandman has. Uh, I don't know. Goes in an easier and more interesting direction because it is not about a, a plant elemental or whatever the hell is going on in this thing. But it's still, I like it. Like I like Sandman. Sandman's better, but I don't think it's like a thousand times better. I, I think some of this is very wanky and it feels like a young writer, like my words are good. Look how good my, all my words are. I'm going to use a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write every word I know. Butthole Monday, <laughs> plump rain. Using every, uh, you know, using his little dictionary in there a lot, but I don't, I don't. It doesn't like openly frustrate me in this book because I think this book is pretty. After those first, after that Woodrue arc where Swamp Thing is like kind of comes out of it and it's basically a new character than what was before. It kind of is clear what that's what its identity is. It is a kind of ephemeral, ephemeral, existential mm-hmm. book about this weird plant thing that is trying to figure out it's, what it is and where it is in this world, and sometimes make statements about environmentalism, which I, I feel like it kind of goes in and out of being messy. It could have just been that I was really having a tough time reading it because it's i mean it's it, it, it's a lot of prose signifying nothing 
And then Pogo shows up. What the <laughs> fucking hell? I didn't. I, I just, I'm I didn't, flipping through, and I just got to Pogo. What? I did. I did not like that 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 issue. Yeah, I think that's that's. If you're gonna skip one terrible issue, this is one of the terrible issues you can skip. I don't like. I still read it though because I was like, "Is this? Look at that tall green guy. That's Pogo. Are you familiar with Pogo at all? I've never really read it, but no, I'm no aware of the art. No, never." He's a big influence on, like, Jeff Smith. I can see that. Calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. He was also, like, kind of an anarchist or something. It was, like, weird that it would, like, get political. I I, I think the issue is fine. I just hated reading it because I hate mm-hmm. the way they talk. Yeah, it was... I mean, well, I, that's me with most of these books. <laughs> I mean, this these books have plenty of flaws. Don't get me wrong. I just thought it was mostly. I was mostly coming away with like, eh, it's all right. It's okay. It's interesting. It's cool to see where Alan Moore came from. Uh, I, like, there are no characters in this except for Swamp Thing. No one else in this thing. Like, uh, uh the lady. Um, what the hell is her name? I've already forgotten it. She's lady. White it's hair. Abigail. Abigail. Just close your eyes and think of King Diamond. Don't think those words have ever been said in that order ever on Earth. I mean, I said it twice yesterday. Oh, okay. Except for you, I guess. You used that phrase yeah. a lot. I mean, I, I'm frequently closing my eyes and thinking of King Diamond. I, who Abigail, has an album named Abigail, in case anyone's curious. <laughs> I mean, King Diamond's good. I'm a fan. Yeah. The king. Abigail is not really a character. She is there to tie... Swamp thing. She's there to. to, to she's there community. to have boobs. She also mostly that. Honestly, um, they also have to have potato sex. Yeah, that does happen. God, eat my tuba, woman. Is that how Swamp Thing sounds? Yeah, he's 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 uh, you know, our favorite Austrian that does his voice. My, the the wrestler Walter. Sure, that's my favorite Austrian. It, whatever you say, it's just like you to have a second Austrian. A reserve Austrian. The, what the what the shit, man? He's put. He's man, doing... this this nuke face guy. What oh, the fuck? God. Okay, what are you gonna waste two issues on that stupid shit. I I okay. So and he just dies off page. <laughs> he went back to his planet. <laughs> so okay, I, like I said, this book has flaws. Uh, Abigail is not a real character. Uh, nuke that whole nuke face mini arc is terrible. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's 1984. I don't know what I, I want uh, Alan Moore to believe in 1984, but nuclear power is sustainable and relatively safe. I don't, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, we shouldn't demonize well, I mean, it. Well, look, look at, look at the fucking Simpsons have been mm-hmm. deriding I, it for years. People think that it's fucking dangerous. I know. I know. And it, it, no, no, really. It is like certainly more sustainable than, any of our fossil fuels. There are a lot of characters that just don't actualize in this. Mm-hmm. Like they I just said, Swamp Thing. Show a ton of people, and they either like don't do anything. It's just like it's so odd. Maybe uh, I mean, the uh, Constantine does he count? I mean, he does, but he was probably an established character outside of this. No, he he was. I'm just saying, like he is a real character in this. He has, even though we don't really see. I assume we're gonna see more of him in the second half of these books. But I, I don't know. It's it's 
the that okay, so the nuke phase stuff terrible, really painful for me. Um, but I just kind of breeze through it, not paying much attention because it it's not complicated. There's a some some guy got is his only power in life was not to die from nuclear radiation and then to do it. So I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, don't know what kind of, it's not a great character. Um, the other is the, the weird plantation. Yeah. Zombie. The ending, the last one. Yeah. That just, just made me want to puke. It's very what, bad. What the fuck even, I mean, dude, there's all kinds of shit in this. that's bad. It's not, it's just not good. The fucking the sea monkey vampires. You don't like the underwater vampires. I kind of like them. No, they're bad. <laughs> no, Robbie. I, I like I like the underwater vampires. I'm I sorry like, you like a thing that's terrible. It's I like terrible. That's not the first bad thing I've liked in my life, Eric. I also like uh, <laughs> the, I like Lady Lady. Like I'm a fan of professional wrestling writ large. You're gonna have to do more uh, than tell me something's bad. Uh, the the wolf lady i like her uh i you know that I, wasn't no that wasn't a that wasn't a bad little story it wasn't it wasn't a million issues long it made a statement it got in it got out i i didn't hate it you know it did it did what it wanted to um the i i, I didn't mind etrigan i i i think etrigan is okay i didn't like that arc he was not the worst part of it Everything else was. <laughs> you don't like the kids and their fears coming to life, or whatever. oh, it was a fucking. Are you kidding? That shit was a mess. That didn't fucking make any sense. You have autistic kids, and one of them has monkey nightmares, and it's like, what even is this shit? This is fucking hot trash. You gotta be kidding me. Okay, uh, how about the the? I think. There is one issue in here that is the most Sandmanist of all the sand, of all the issues. Dude, the, the, like it's, the, the stuff in the middle is very super Sandman, and the, I would say that there, in these issues, there's nothing really that I've read that is too much beyond like mediocrity. You know, like it's got it's got some good ish prose in it. Um, hell, but it's just, the whole thing is preposterous. I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to say that, like, I like it because it's Sandman-like, but, like, it is the stuff that I think works better. Like, it makes no sense in this story to introduce Dead Man and have him walk him to Stranger, and then Stranger walk him to Etrigan. And then Etrigan to walk him to fucking Spectre. Well, I did. It, it was kind of the other way around, but whatever. No, you got it right. I think that's right. No, no, it ends. It, it ends with Etrigan. Stranger walks him from from oh, right. uh, Spectre to Etrigan. Okay, I mean they're all so there. Like, yeah, they they are all there. Like it is kind of meaningless for all these people to show up like that. Like, why was Dead Man in there? Like it really doesn't make any sense, but it like it did. I don't know. In a comic book context, it doesn't. It's not that bad for it to show up. I don't know. It's it's. There is some stuff in this middle part that isn't that poor. I really enjoyed the trip into hell to the trip into yeah. into heaven and then hell to reclaim Abigail's that, soul. I enjoyed that, that quite a bit. That part was yeah. It still had some 
it still has some guns that don't fire, you know, like, oh, well, you're not going to like her when you get there, herpy derp derp, whatever in the hell he said, you know, but they basically, he just walks into hell and everything's fine. And, and whatever, like, I don't really, like, it's fine that it works out. That's okay. But I, I don't know. I want you to, okay, so how about thinking that this came out in 1984? Mm-hmm. And it's a DC comic. This is DC mm-hmm. Comics, 1984. Nothing like this has existed prior to this. Oh, yeah. And that's the, um, that is the problem with a lot of media that, like, comparing proto-Sandman to the Sandman is not fair. You know, comparing young Alan Moore to more mature Alan Moore is not really fair. Like, I think the thing that this is the most like is Miracle Man, which I also dislike. I mean, yeah, Miracle Man preceded this uh, by a couple yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. To me, it, it reads even rougher than Miracle Man. I'm surprised that this isn't before Miracle Man. I mean, I think once you get, I don't know, I... I don't. I thought Miracle Man was interesting and fine, but very obsessed with let's cram as much murder as we can onto the page. Mm-hmm. And this, it might just be because it's actually optimistic, like and and actually generally positive in tone and about and Swamp Thing is learning and growing. You know, this character does have kind of have an arc. He does change throughout mm-hmm. these issues, which. I couldn't tell you anything about Miracle Man or any of the characters in that thing if they move or change or yeah. anything. This, I, there is I growth. Do, literally, I do find him. I do find him interesting. Literally and Shut your stupid whore mouth. He does grow because he's a. He does. Yeah, he's a. This is a man. fucking plant. Animals grow too, dumbass. I mean, this is this stuff is still like the green and the red. We saw that in uh, mm-hmm. the, the the very recent Animal Man. Um, book or a new 52 that's, an, old man. Yeah. that's another thing that big swatches of this remind me of I think I think nuke face might have even been what reminded me of Grant Morrison I'm trying to think what else made me think of Grant Morrison like another thing that it made me think of is in um, Supreme Story of the Year mm-hmm. you know when he was like he ostensibly the uh uh the grant morrison character i I, like it like a lot of this kind of reads like the character like him making fun of grant morrison in that you know how the guy like rips his own heart out and do you remember reading that a million years ago i remember supreme i do not remember anything about grant morrison Okay, so there's this scene in Supreme Story of the Year, or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. uh, where it's the comic book that What's-His-Name is working on. Right. Like, whatever Supreme's alter ego. Mm-hmm. And the guy who's the writer at the comic company, I mean, it's not clear who he is. He's generic English writer. Mm-hmm. But he's basically introducing, like, super grim, dark bullshit into comics and like the guy like you know he's like i'm gonna rip my heart out in a statement about literalism and post whatever it's just like he's just spouting just complete insane gibberish and i don't know like that's the first thing that it makes me think of 
is like, what the fuck even is this? Why is there this person with their hand in their back and their heads twisted around backwards? And there's a nun twisting a doll's head off. Like, what what the actual fuck even is this? I thought thought that stuff was leading to more... It's alluding to whatever the the big thing behind Constantine is. You know, the thing Constantine is trying to attack or defend against or whatever. Mm -hmm. I assumed that a lot of this unexplained evil stuff that we don't get explicit reasons for i just assume we'll find out it's from the thing that is in the second half just seems like a really weird way to tell a story maybe it is an an older style to me it feels like i mean sure you can say it's foreshadowing for you know maybe it's the payoff is in somewhere in those next three books that's a weird way to do it to me I mean, I think this whole thing is perp- like I. I don't think Alan Moore is like. I think Alan Moore in this book is was given free reign, mm-hmm. and so he just went, "Okay, I'm gonna just do whatever and whatever." They don't care about this book very much. It's Swamp Thing, you know. It's not Superman. It's not Batman. Uh, they don't care. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a book where the main the two main characters have sex by eating a potato. I'm gonna have a a section where. Uh, a rhyming demon comes and helps, like in in like they fight it when to exercise some kids. Oh, and this plant man can also go to hell because he's an el- earth elemental. Like yeah, no, we don't. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he can act and he can teleport across the world and uh, uh, he can like it's just obviously I'm more just adding things as he goes. Uh, I don't that know really it. was this. That was the single strongest issue though when he goes to when he goes to hell to deal with all that. Yeah, I think it is. It, it was probably the thing that was the that I had the most hope for. Everything else just kind of was just miserable to read. Like I think if it was, I don't know. I didn't not enjoy seeing him change and interact and like be with Abigail. Like that, it's not entirely poor. But it really feels like it's just focusing on so much crap, and it just just hardly knew what it wanted to be. And that's when it knew the most what it wanted to be. I mean, it's it's like Alan, the Alan Moore tutorial, I think. It doesn't have much to it, and it's just like a sampling of, I have this character, and I want to try a lot of different little stories, and this is how I, the only way I can get them out. You know, I have an idea for underwater vampires. Isn't that weird? Let's do that with Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing's a horror character, mm-hmm. right? We can do swamp horror stories. Let's do horror stories. Um, I think that I think that that's kind of what was poor to me is the point of all of them was to just tell a horror story and not like I don't know, not to really focus on anything else. Like it's just why is this happening? The answer was almost always because it's a fucking horror story. You know, why are these people acting weird and now they have bugs in them? Like, I don't know. Shit just happens and it's fucking strange. And the answer is always because it's a fucking horror comic. Do you, what about the art? How do you feel about this art? I think I like it more towards the end of these three trades than towards the beginning. It definitely feels very much like some of that vertigo stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, to see Karen Berger's name on there and to see it 
start to become proto i mean it feels like that sam keith era like vertigo sandman you know it's like those soft mushy people i mean i wish it looked more like the bernie wrights and stuff you know i i think there's not a lot a lot a lot of difference um between bernie wrights and and uh and sam keith like i think that you know bernie's just sort of a more skilled version like they're going kind of after the same you know ec weird look bernie just makes it his own better and he's i don't know he's like the og of that shit the one issue that bernie's in is just gorgeous but everything else is very hit or miss for me like i really it's a thing that's always bothered me about those early sandman is those like wispy ink lines i think they just look and feel really gross particularly with the kind of color that they do with them. I just don't like the feel of it. Does, okay, if Bernie Wrightson draws this entire thing, do you feel differently? Quite possibly. I think it would be more interesting and fun to be in the world. Um, as it stands, I think that even within the same artist, the pages are pretty wildly disparate. I think the storytelling, particularly in the first couple of arcs, is really confusing and strange. But, I mean, there's some art in here, like, what is this? What page am I on? Page 39, the beginning of the Love and Death arc, which I think is the the Arcane Returns arc. Like, that is a, a gorgeous illustration. The, the swamp thing on the next page is really beautiful. Like, there's, there's a lot of really strong art in here, and there's a lot of very average, hard-to-look-at stuff. None of it really is like Brian Ballin knock your socks off like incredible none of it's even the Bernie Wrightson stuff that's in here is kind of below average for Bernie you know you can tell that this was while this would be an interesting book to see you know him do it is an interesting book to see him do again it's also just it's obvious he is kind of foaming it in a little bit he's just like all right you know this is an assignment I've already I've already proven myself I have bigger fish to fry i'm just gonna do this and move on i mean i think it reminded me the most was um not the art itself but the layouts and the storytelling Mm -hmm. was jh williams the third in his sandman books with gaiman there's there's examples i think i mean most notably the uh the turning page with the sex potato (laughs) yes that issue that's just just what that's just what it is now yeah that's exactly I thought of the same thing when it got to that. I mean, you know, it's good that someone did a weird and flawed thing. Like, you know, if I was of this era reading this, I'd be like, hot, holy shit, what is this? This is pure art. I love it. You know, because you're coming out of an era where hey hey here's there's not this weird artful thing maybe i'd have the same problems with it but i think that just sort of for the audacity of it it's i mean it's doing some things it's it's i mean a thing that it makes me think of is the chris claremont um sinkowitz uh new mutants that we read mm-hmm. sinkavich excuse me um you know, and it's a very bold, very experimental, very weird thing 
that is not afraid to try really hard and fail. And I think it, it does both. It fails very frequently. It keeps plugging along. Um, it, it does. It has copious problems. I was really surprised. I mean, it, I was really surprised to see Cain and Abel show up, but they, I, I did know that they were characters long before Neil Gaiman used them. I think there were two books. They were actually called House of Mysteries and House of Secrets. Mm-hmm. That's what Neil Gaiman talks about them in his little bit uh, in this in this forward. Yeah. Um, New Mutants is also came out in nineteen eighty four. Yeah, that's uh, it was a, a a couple of years for weird experimentation. Yeah, here's all that. That is it is very uh, J H Williams the third. I mean, I think I don't think. I don't think Sandman, I don't think Vertigo exists. I don't think Sandman exists without this. Oh, 100%. It would at least be very different or several years delayed. Um, it is almost too easy to draw a line directly from this to Sandman, to Neil Gaiman's whole career. Um, you know, all the, the whole issues about heaven and hell and all that weird shit. And it's... You just make the whole series about that. They, they, someone did, and they called it the Sandman. I know. <laughs> I think my my larger complaint about Neil Gaiman is that he never got past the wordy, narrative, prosy style, which Alan Moore definitely did. Alan Moore varied quite wi- widely as he went on in his career. You know, he wrote lots of different kinds of comics, sometimes mm-hmm. very wordy and sometimes not. I don't know. I enjoyed my time with this. I think it's some of it's good, some of it's bad. Uh, but it immediately went. I just my first thought and overriding thought above everything else was, man, this is like this is Sam man. <laughs> this is very. This mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, Neil Gaiman. Yeah, it's almost embarrassing. It's so Sandman. It's kind of unbelievable. I did not enjoy my time with this. <laughs> I am reasonably glad that I read it. Um, I did not like it. <laughs> there were segments of it that I thought were, uh, some of them were good. Some of them were better than others. Mostly. I think this is just not good. I don't, I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy most of the artwork. I don't, I just, I don't know. It makes me feel terrible to exist in this world. I really wanted to enjoy Swamp Thing, and I feel like he's a thing that I enjoy, and the world is just, I just don't like it. Anything else you want to add? Um, not really. I wish that I liked this better. Okay. I enjoyed it. I might go, and I, we are not going to be reading the second half of these books. I might go and do that myself and uh, see how I feel. Um, yeah. Let me know, and maybe we will. I would, I would. If you enjoyed them considerably better than this and you recommend that I finish them, I will record a second episode with you. <laughs> okay. What <laughs> You know, you say that, you know the most exciting proposition of of that possibility is? What's that? Is that I read 4 through 6. I really actually enjoy them and I really I authentically think they're much better. And you read <laughs> and then them, I hate them. And I you hate still them. hate them. <laughs> and that's the you know, that's the one I look forward to the most. That I mean that passion discussion, man. That's what people got to tune in for. I guess so. Uh, so next time, 
in two weeks' time, uh, not we're not reading more Swamp Thing. We'll be reading uh, Gwenpool, The Unbelievable. All of it. Uh, five books. Uh, by uh, Christopher Hastings and Guerrero, uh, with various other artists in there, but uh, those are the two primary, uh, two primary guys. Uh, but we'll t- be talking about that in two weeks. Uh, I think Gwenpool was a, a really terrific book that I'm I'm glad it made it through 25 issues. Frankly, I, if I was not expecting it to, but it made it that far, and we'll talk about it. Should be good. Um, that'll do it for us. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Find links to everything there to our Facebook, to our Twitter, to our RSS feed. Um, if you like the show, please uh, give us a five-star review, uh, subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff. It helps us out. We appreciate it. Um, you can find me online on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? Well, you can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. You can see most of the things I get up to online by going to ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my Instagram and my Twitter, where I'm known on both as Easy Goodnight. With that, folks, we'll call it a day. Have a good one. Right.